Welcome to the New City Fellowship West End Sermon Podcast. We hope and pray this message equips, empowers, and encourages you. And now, today's sermon. Today, we get to close our series, Teach Us to Pray. Um, We go to the next side, we can see where the Lord has been teaching us to pray. So the first week, PT, Pastor Thurman, um, hit us up with praying that God is our Father. That second week, PT came back and said that we need to be making sure that we hollow in God's name. That third week, um, Pastor Steve uh, came with that uh, Your Kingdom Come. Man, the, the, dopest, the dopest thing Pastor Steve said um, in that sermon was, God will not be an accessory to your kingdom. That took my heart out. I'm like, boom, boom. And then my heart looked at me and like, yeah, that's you. He's talking to you. Um, um, and then PT came back with daily bread. Um, and then Pastor Steve talked about um, forgiveness. Pastor Steve had some hitters, bro, like <laughs> in this series. Um, and today I get to the wonderful opportunity to learn... We, to teach about the last line of the prayer. So let us turn to Matthew chapter six uh, and we'll read verses nine through 13 together. I know y'all gonna know this prayer by the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, it read, so it reads as such. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we all have also forgiven given our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's God's word. Thanks be to God. Today I want to title our time together today, Lead Us Not, But Deliver Us. Lead Us Not, But Deliver Us. Let us pray. God, we just come before you as humble as we know how, Lord. Lord, I pray that you just be with me um, in this message. Let Anthony Johnson decrease and you increase, Lord. And you just, you do what you want to do, God, um, and help, and yeah, just help me to be sensitive to your spirit. And all God's people said, amen. A small leak can cause big problems. An unattended leak can damage your whole home. We used to see it in Tuck Point during the summer that people would need to put air conditioning in the units in their windows during these St. Louis summers, you know what I'm saying? Because that heat can overwhelm you. But what you notice is as those window units is in the windows, what they begin to do is leak water. And over time, that water gets in that mortar in between that bricks. Ain't that right, Aaron? Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was my first job about 13 years. <laughs> um, um, it get in between that bricks, and then it deteriorates the mortar, and the, wa- the mortar, and it, the water gets in your house, brothers and sisters, a small leak can have big 
problems. Better yet, they can, it can cause big problems. A small leak can cause big problems if you have a leaky pipe inside your home. That small leak begins to deteriorate everything in the home if it's left unattended. Small leaks can ruin the interior of cars. Small leaks can crack the strongest concrete. Small leaks can crack the hardest plastics. Small leaks can wither away the hardest stone. Saints, unattended leaks can lend to lead to big problems. Brothers and sisters, evil works just like a small leak. If left unattended, evil can cause big problems. Unattended evil cracks the strongest family. Unattended evil cracks the strongest churches. Unattended evil cracks the best men and women. Unattended evil can cause big problems. Like the disciples in Jesus' day, we can underappreciate the destructive power of evil. But Jesus teaches us in this passage today that because God delivers us from the evil one, we must pray against evil. Because God delivers us from the evil one, we must pray against evil. So you may say, Pastor Ant, that's a big, long, big idea statement. But how do we do that? Well, I'm going to hit you up with four points today. <laughs> Don't worry, baby. It's not going to take that long. <laughs> well, so the point number one, we must pray for the God to lead us. We must pray against temptation. We must pray for deliverance. And we must pray against the evil one. So let us get into our first point. We must pray for God to lead us. In our passage in Matthew, Jesus is in the midst of ex explaining to his disciples how to pray. We just saw that he instructed his disciples to pray our Father. He told them to pray, hallowed be your name. He taught them to pray, your kingdom be come. He taught them to pray um, for their daily bread, and he taught them to pray for forgiveness. And in verse 13, he teaches them how to pray about evil. Here it is in verse 13. In Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this continuation of the prayer that the, that the disciples, that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we want to stop and recognize something important. Brothers and sisters, it's the us. It ain't lead me. It's a lead us. See, Christianity, I know that we can kind of get confused today, but Christianity is a team sport. It ain't just you and Jesus. It's a great song, and it's a great thought, and it's a great thing to po post on Twitter, but it just ain't biblically correct. Christianity is a team sport. It's lead us not into temptation. In other words, let me put it, let me break it down this for those folks that's from the South just like me. It's the you and the y'all. And here's the thing that you got to see. God be given, dropping truth in language. Watch this. You can't get y'all without you. So you is in the y'all. Just saying. 
Now that, we, now that we know that Christianity is a team sport, let us dig into that word, lead. Now, here's the thing that I want to put before you. Lead, in this passage, is begging us to think of God as a shepherd. And you say, brother, that don't make no sense. I don't see nothing about no shepherd in this passage, and that's why you guys are great biblical disciples and you know things, so I'm going put it, to put it to you like this. I'm going to put this before you, church, that, that the idea of God being in a shepherd in this passage is in the word lead itself because leadership in the biblical narrative was best seen in the context, and the number one metaphor that was used was one of shepherd. So when they heard lead, it was one of shepherd. Let's, see the, let's look at some scripture to show that your pastor is not crazy. So in 2 Samuel 5, 2, here it is, when they were talking about call, calling David. And now, sorry for people that may have trouble leading that little bitty words. I apologize. Uh, in times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led us and brought us in, into Israel. And the Lord said to you, here it is, you shall be my, y'all say it with me, shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. Here is that same idea in the prophets. This is it from Jeremiah. It's using the image of shepherd to talk about the bad leadership that's, that's in Israel. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who, are, who, are, who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. So not only did God use the imagery of shepherd to describe the leaders of his people, if, if we look at it, what does he say that the people of God are his what? Flop. And what is in a flop? Sheep. Who tends sheep? Shepherds. <laughs> All right. And the, and the last one, the, the, the idea of leadership being connected with, with shepherd also goes on to how, they, how Israelites thought through their Messiah. Here it is in Ezekiel 37, verse 24. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall have one what? Shepherd. Now, y'all didn't say it with conviction. Come on, you got to get with me today. They shall have one what? Shepherd. Shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. So, brothers and sisters, the, when Jesus says, lead us not, or lead us, we're going to get to the not in a minute, but lead us, there's a background of God being a shepherd that's in there that an Israelite back in those days couldn't have heard the, the word lead and not have the imagery of shepherd. I'm going to show you that we do the same thing. Next slide. You can't have George without Wheezy. You can't have Martin without Gina. You can't have Pippin without Jordan. You can't have Casey without who? Jojo. And you can't have peanut butter with no what? Jelly. So you already know that, like, there are certain things that you hear and you already know what's up. It's the same thing in this passage that I'm putting before us, saying, is that when Jesus says that, when he says, lead us, he, there's a background and imagery of God functioning as a shepherd. 
So the question I put before us, who's leading us, brothers and sisters, if God's not leading us? Is it our social media feed that leads us? Is our favorite person to follow on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok that leads us? Is it our favorite TV show we screen that leads us? Is it our favorite actor that leads us? Is it our favorite preacher we listen to online? Don't make no mistake, we're not that prideful that we know that people don't be listening to other preachers online. <laughs> Is it a particular politician that's leading us? Is it our political party's agenda that's leading us? Is it our friend group that's leading us? Is peer pressure leading us? Is it your boyfriend or your girlfriend that's leading? Is it our favorite podcast that leads us? And yeah, I'm in our business today. Because <laughs> we know that if it, ain't, if it ain't God leading us, ultimately, it leads us astray. Now we understand God's leading us. We, know where, we must know where is it that God, God is leading us. Natural question. If someone's leading, you want to know where the heck you're going, right? So let's dig in. So this brings us to our second point. Oh, let me say this. So what Jesus is asking us to pray is, our Father, the shepherd, lead us. And so now we can go to our second point. <laughs> we must pray against temptation. The next part of this verse tells us where our Father, the shepherd, leads us. And the next word is not. Now I'm going to hit you with the, with the uh, dopest, meaning the best, Exegetical, exegetical, meaning that I'm telling you the meaning of Scripture, um, highlight in the world. The not means that you ain't going to the place that comes after the not. Amen? <laughs> I told you it was dope. <laughs> and what comes after the not is into temptation. So Jesus tells the disciples to pray, God our Father, the, the shepherd, does not lead us into temptation. Here it is in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation. Temptation, now brothers and sisters, temptation just ain't about not having that dessert, that little extra piece of sweet potato pie. <laughs> Big Mama done made that good, that delicious, moist uh, red velvet cake, and you don't already had two, and you want that third one. Like, that's not the type of temptation that's going on in, the, in this passage. What, temp, when tempt, what temptation is, is when our desires get in the way of God's kingdom purpose for our lives. Can I put it, let me come at you another way. In other words, it's thirst plus interruption. So whatever it is that we're thirsty for that gets us out of God's will, God's presence, God's kingdom purpose, that's what the Bible calls temptation. Okay? You with me, church? So how did I arrive at this point? 
because I'm giving y'all some crazy stuff. I, I agree, but stay, stick with me. I'm blessing you, right? All right, I'm blessing you, right? All right, so stick with me. The, the Greek word, and I may, I may butcher it, so for all you Greeks, tell us I'm sorry, but the Greek word, pirazo, oh, can we go to the next slide so, they can, like, so we can see it? There it is, there it is. Temptation, thirst plus, interruption of kingdom purpose, and then there's the Greek word, pirazo. It actually means, not actually, it means testing. It's a word meant like saying, we're going to find out what this thing is really about. And so when, when we get tempted, it's the use of our desires to actually test, do we actually believe in God's kingdom purposes and his promises, not only for ourselves, but for the world? So, temptation puts us to the test. But that doesn't mean that God is the author of temptation. Okay? God is not the author of temptation. God don't come up with, God don't sit around in, in heaven thinking about, hey, what are ways that I can get my people to not follow me? Does that make y'all with me? God don't, God don't do that. He don't say, what can I do today to make Anthony Johnson fall away from me? I'm going to try my best to do that. And I'm not making this up. It's in James right before you, James chapter 1, verse 14. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? Desire. Another, another word for that is thirstiness. <laughs> All right. Now, so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're saying, God, protect us from the things that we run after that take us away from your kingdom purposes in, your, in our lives and in our world. Oh, and then I want to add something else. Sorry, I missed something. In James, in that same chapter in James, it's in James chapter 1, verse 13, going back to God is not the author of temptation, it says, let no one say, this is James 1, 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I be tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, he himself tempts anyone. So brothers and sisters, let us pray that our heavenly Father not lead us into temptation. In other words, not protect us. Because remember, we have the imagery of, of a shepherd. A shepherd leads his sheep. When a shepherd is leading, leading the sheep, that means that they are protecting it along the way. So when we, when we pray for God to lead, lead us out of temptation, we are asking for God's protection from things that interrupt God's kingdom purposes in our lives or desires that would interrupt that. Now, I'm going to put this idea before us. Saints. Our collective and individual purpose is too important to God's kingdom to get sidetracked by purposeless things. I, I can come at it another way. Brothers and sisters, you got so much God-given God destiny and purpose in God's kingdom that you don't got time to get sidetracked by purpose, purposeless, I can't say it, purposeless things. Trying to pursue money to fulfill you. Bruh, sis, don't get sidetracked. Trying to pursue a certain type of physical relationship with that person outside of God's plan, don't get sidetracked. 
trying to pursue power to, to say that you're important. Don't get sidetracked. Trying to pursue your career at the expense of those that you love. Don't get sidetracked. Trying to pursue purity in the church in a way that demonizes others. Let's not get sidetracked. Trying to convince others who have no interest in seeing the Imago Day in black bodies to care. In 2022, when African-American brothers and sisters in our community cling to ethnic identities that don't even belong to us, just so they can believe that they matter and have dignity, church, let us not get sidetracked. We got mouths to feed. We got mouths to feed. There's a mission field that ain't, that ain't with folks that's, a, that's trying to talk stuff that we, that we not about. The mission field is here in the West End, which is the 70% black. We have some powerful theological minds in this room that need to think through ways to, to convince our black brothers and sisters that they don't have to take on identities and ethnic identities that are not real to feel important when we got the greatest doctrine in the world, which is the Imago Day. But we spend so much time trying to convince folks that's not here, that's not coming by here to actually care and give us a thumbs up that we miss brothers and sisters that's right in our face that need the, need the great theological minds that are in this room. Amen, church? Amen. Whatever it is that can get us sidetracked, since our purpose is too important to get sidetracked, and I love how my mama would put it, to get sidetracked by foolishness. Lord, lead us not into temptation so we don't get sidetracked. Now that we know that God does not lead us in temptation, how do we continue to pray against evil? That leads me to my third point. We must pray for deliverance. Jesus instructs his disciples to pray for deliverance in the second part of verse 13. Here it is. But, de but deliver us from, from evil. Before we dig into the word deliver, we have to notice the word after deliver. We're going to go back to this. It's not just you. It's another us right there. So, it ain't just you, so it's everybody. See, like, <laughs> that's inappropriate. I got a song in my head by a certain artist that I'm not going to do. I'm probably so much, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody in here getting delivered. That's all we're going to do. That's all we're going to do. That's all we're doing. That's what it need to be. We're going to leave it like that. Everybody in here getting delivered. Amen. Um, <laughs> so what is, let's dig into that word. Now that we know it's just not about us, let's dig into that word de deliverance. Deliverance is a word that means God is going to put the pause on an enemy to come see about you. There it is. <laughs> God is putting the pause on whatever is, is besetting you, whatever's trying to take you out, he's putting the pause on them and coming to see about you. In other words, see about can have, like if you're not familiar with African-American lingo, see about can have a, uh, has a long, long list of things. See about in this context means that God is going to come protect you and he's going to put the pause on somebody and use force to protect you. God does that all day long. Okay? So... Let me show you that I'm, I'm not, the, the Hebrew, now the Hebrew word for deliverance is where I, now how did I arrive there? The Hebrew word deliverance that I'm not going to go into, but just trust me, you can get a Logos program and look it up, and I promise you, you're going to find it because we don't have enough time. But here it is in Exodus 6.6. 6. 
Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of, of Egyptians. I will, here it is, deliver you from to, to them, and I will redeem you, here it is, now, with an outstretched arm and with grace acts of judgment. That's a biblical way for God to say, where you at and the people that's bothering you, I'm about to put the pause on them. Amen, church? Amen. All right. All right, next slide. All right, so deliverance also means, it, it, it means like we talked about it being power. So here's David showing us that deliverance, you know, he's going to need power to get saved. Here it is. Um, 1 Samuel 17, verse 37, and, God, and, the, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me. Now, if you finna get delivered by a paw from a lion or a bear, you gonna need somebody that's gonna put the paws on the lion and the bear. You, you know what a lion and a bear is. You know, like, by yourself, it ain't gonna work. All right? And then he says, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go on, young brother. The Lord be with you. <laughs> All right, next slide. <laughs> so what we pray is that our father, the shepherd, lead us not into temptation, protect us from things that are interrupt our purpose, but deliver us, put the paws on our enemies that's trying to, trying to take take us out. So, saints, where do we need deliverance today? Where do we need deliverance as a church? Where do we need deliverance in our community? Where do we need deliverance in our world? Where do we need deliverance? Some of us going home for Thanksgiving. Where do we need deliverance from our family? in our families, too. Where do we need deliverance in our schools? Where do we need deliverance on our jobs? Where are the places we need to see God's deliverance? He wants to save us. He wants to protect us. The question that comes up is, well, Pastor Ant, you just told us that deliverance means that God is going to put the paws on somebody that's trying to attack us. So the natural question, Pastor Ant, is who is it that's trying to get after us? I'm glad you asked that question. You're very, I'm glad you're listening. So we're going to go to our last point. We must pray against the evil one. We must pray against the evil one. This, in verse 13, the last part says, deliver us from evil. Jesus wants the disciples to pray for deliverance from evil. Now, we can go to the next slide. Now, it could be evil in general. That's a great interpretation of this passage that's, that does not do damage to the biblical text, to read it as evil in general. So if you, if, if you read it that way, amen. You ain't got to listen to me. Well, you do got to listen to me. <laughs> but don't, like, it don't feel like I'm saying that you're heretical or anything. Because sometimes with, with biblical passages, sound... Sound ways of studying the Bible can lead to, lead to different interpretations that don't, do, that don't do damage to the text or historical Christianity. Amen, church? Amen. 
However, now, where I landed <laughs> was the Greek in this passage suggests that we should translate the word that's translated evil in this passage, the evil one. I will not bore you with the exegetical details of Greek. You are welcome to ask me about it, and I can find you the resource to look it up. Actually, you can just look it up in a pocket lexicon. It says the same thing that I'm saying now. And I'll, if you need to know which pocket lexicon, I can get you, get you to it. But the, the Greek in, that, in this passage, just trust me on this, suggests that we could translate the, this, uh, the evil to the evil one. And I want to say that the evil one is the devil, is Satan. In, the by, like in one of the a principle of interpreting scripture, scripture interprets scripture. So how, what, what is Jesus? Jesus hints that this is the devil that he's talking about. How? He says, first, lead us not into what? Who gave the first temptation? In the garden, right? Genesis 3. I believe that was the devil, right? <laughs> The devil gave the fir, fir, first temptation. So it's hinting. Like, you know, like, if somebody got, I'll show you how this works. If you see Thor, not Thor, if you see a lightning hammer, who are you going to think of? You know people by their tools. <laughs> so he, here it is. We see a tool of temp, temptation. All right? In the, same, in the same book, Matthew chapter 4, I think I got that in there. I hope I do. There it is. Yes. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew 4.1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? The devil. The devil. So this man, that's Thor's hammer right there. <laughs> so, th so in, I'll give you another detail. You remember that, that Greek word that I cannot pronounce? It's the same word that's used in the same word used in chapter 6, verse 13, for, for tempt and temptation, is the same word that's used in chapter 4. So since we have lead us not into temptation, which is like seeing Thor's hammer, and, deliver, and, de, but, and it's like a but, but deliver us from the evil one, I believe that Jesus is identifying the devil with first saying, God, protect us from his greatest weapon, but then, Lord, for like... Get us, like, put the paws on that dude so he can't get after us. Amen, church? You with me? All right. So, brothers and sisters, if we know that the greatest tool of the devil is the, the temptation, we, we, we understand his scheme. When you get tempted, I want to put something before you. This is what an old black preacher would say. Temptation is the evidence that you got God-given destiny that the devil don't like. I'll let that sink for a little bit. <laughs> if you find yourself facing great temptation right now, I know it can get easy to say, well, I'm not really a Christian. No, no, my brother or my sister is not, is not 
uh, that you're not a Christian, it's because you're a Christian. You got so much purpose that the devil has to try to interrupt your purpose. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but you got so much purpose that the devil has to try to stop God's plan for you. And you may be suffering some things right now, but he's trying to interrupt God's plan for you. Maybe it's on a job. Maybe your house can't get right. Maybe your kids can't get right. It's an attempt to interrupt what God has gone for you. So what I want to tell you is resist the devil so you can embrace God's purpose. Resist the devil so you can embrace God's purpose. So, so how, do we, how do we embrace God's purpose? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's see what Paul says about this. Paul puts us, Paul, I love this, Paul puts us on game, meaning that he gives us information that's going to help us out. So what does Paul say? Do, did I put that in there or did I miss that? I didn't put that in there? Oh, yes. Yay. Look at, the, look at God. Won't he do it? <laughs> here, here it is. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is what? That means he ain't going to never let you go, and he will not let you be what? Tempted beyond your ability. Man, I, that's good right here. This just hit me. God knows what he's going to do with you, and he knows what the devil is going to He knows the limits of the interruption that you can't take. So if you, hang in there, saints. Hang in there, saints. But with the temptation, he will also, this is how he's going to help us out, provide a way of an escape. So if you're feeling tempted today, you got a way of escape to step into kingdom purpose. A, that you may be able to what? Endure. That means it may hurt for a while, but the race is not given to the swift or the strong, but it's given to the one who what? Endure. I could go to church on that, but I'm not. <laughs> What is our true hope that he delivers us? Saints, God will answer this prayer of deliverance by sending the shepherd king who identifies with us in temptation, but he never sins. It's the shepherd king Jesus the one that teaches us how to pray. The Bible says in Hebrews that for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He is our ultimate help for overcoming temptation. The writer also tells us that he can sympathize with us in our weakness as his role as a high priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He became, like, he became like us in every way so he could give us the ultimate deliverance from the evil one. In his role as a, a great high priest, he gave himself to suffer the wrath of God on our behalf. He died the death that we should have died. He stands with us in temptation by falling for us in death. Hallelujah. He is willing and able to lift us up 
out of the clutches of the enemy and all his schemes. I'm reminded of the old hymn that it was love that lifted us. It wasn't your degree that lifted you. <laughs> it wasn't the number in your bank account that lifted you. <laughs> it's not the shoes on your feet that lifted you. It's not the car that you drive that lifted you. It ain't the title on your job description that's lifted you up. <laughs> it ain't that you got the right pedigree that God lifted you. It ain't dotting your theological I's and crossing your theological T's that lifts you up. <laughs> but it was love, it was love that lifted you. I'm reminded what that old song says. We were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. Sinking to rise no more. But I'm so happy tonight that the master of the sea, he heard our despairing cry. From the water, he lifted us. I don't know about you, but God lifted me. It wasn't mama that lifted me. It wasn't my daddy that lifted me. It wasn't my brother that lifted me. But it was love that lifted me. <laughs> When nothing else could help, it was love that lifted me. This is our true hope that that same love that lifted us out of the depths of sin and death can lead us not in temptation and deliver us from the evil one. It's because of his great love we not overcome. When we have been lifted in delivered church, let us pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Please read the Lord's Prayer with me. Pray then like this. Our Father, our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done as in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors and lead us where? Not into temptation but deliver us from that old devil. May the Lord bless you real good, New City. I'm in my seat. Thanks for listening, and God bless.